Hey, it's Andy. Thank you so much for joining us. We are back to the Andy Staples Show Goes to the Movies. This week, Keanu Reeves, Gene Hackman, Pat Summerall, and John Madden in The Replacements. Welcome to the Andy Staple Show. Andy Staple Show goes to the movies. We are back after a week hiatus for actual sports happenings. The the NFL draft happened, and Nicole Auerbach came on to break it down. But she asked me when we started this series, "Can we do the replacements?" And I said, "Of course we can do the replacements." You know, if this lasts through the college football movies we have lined up, we will definitely do the replacements. I don't know if I'm happy or sad that we got to the replacements. <laughs> I was hoping we'd have more. I think you're, I think you're happy that you got to watch it again. I, I am. So this is not one I've seen 78 times like the other movies that we've done. This is one that I saw when it came out, and I probably watched it a few times when it was on you know, uh, TBS or, or whatever back in the days when you would channel surf. That's not a thing we do anymore as a society. But uh, yeah, I, I just – I had not – watched this in probably 10 years so it was it was very educational i uh i i did like it i you know it, and one of the things about these movies and people ask well why don't you do this one why don't you do this one like one college football movie we haven't done is the water boy and one of the reasons i haven't done the water boy is it's kind of perfect for what it wants to be and it doesn't leave us a lot to make fun of and that's that's the part I I want some I want some little parts where they messed up and some parts that don't make sense and that's that's what I need and so I feel like this one this one is a good movie you were definitely rooting for Keanu you're you're rooting for Annabelle you're you're rooting for Gene Hackman but yes there's a lot of stuff that you're you're like what the why why did they do that like like when Keanu is on the onside kick team he's the quarterback. There's, there are a lot of questions here. Here's here. Can we, can we start with my first one? Sure. This was something that I really, that really stuck with me during my most recent rewatch. Everyone talks about how Shane Falco had this horrible sugar bowl performance all the time. Oh yeah. No question. Okay. In real life would one bowl game, bad performance really haunt you like that for the rest of your career. I guess if it had been for the national title, sure. But so they say it's the 96 Sugar Bowl, which, which would mean the Sugar Bowl after the 95 season. And yes. the national title game that year was the Fiesta Bowl right. between so Florida and Nebraska. Yeah. I feel like they would have called it the national championship game, too, if it was. So to me, it was just like everyone in sports had this like very in-depth knowledge of his stat line from a bowl game that wasn't the national championship that apparently – plagued him throughout for years however many well, I, years we're supposed to think have passed i think it's it's like four years have passed really because he 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 played for the seahawks well this seattle team whatever that well, team is called movie, and the movie came out in 2000 so it's probably supposed to be like 2000 yeah so he got beat up he he went into the nfl he, he had a good enough college career to be an nfl quarterback but was very quickly drummed out of the nfl because he was hearing footsteps hence his his nickname shane footsteps falco now we are introduced to him immediately and we learn 
that he is a professional scraper of barnacles. That is what he does for a living now, which is amazing. And that and that his all he has put his All American trophy at the bottom of the harbor, so that while he's scraping barnacles, he can take breaks and run plays with the football from his All America trophy underwater. Is this not how everyone treats their football career after their glory days? I I I didn't have any glory days, but. I know some people who've retired from the NFL. I, I don't think they stash footballs in places so they can randomly pretend to uh, to run plays. By the way, uh, fun fact I just looked up. There was no 1996 Sugar Bowl. The Sugar Bowl in the 95 season was played on December 31st, 1995, and Virginia Tech beat Texas. And then the 96 season was actually my freshman year. The team I was on was in the Sugar Bowl, and that was played on January 2nd, 1997. Wow. Do you think so, that's why they picked it? That seems way too like way too much research to pick that day in that game. That, that's a lot of research. Now, th- so Mark Ellis, whose name has come up during these podcasts because he, he's got a very specialized job. He's a former Appalachian State quarterback. His, his brother's probably with a better-known football player. Todd Ellis was a star at South Carolina as a quarterback. But he is one of the people who puts these football scenes together for movies. He hires the, the football players, and then he designs the plays and, and, and designs the game action. And so this is one of his movies. He, did, he also did Varsity Blues. He also did, uh, he also did The Program. And he also worked on The Water Boy. And so he's he's done almost all these movies. So they do do research like that. Like he was telling me for Varsity Blues that he kind of cast around to some different coaches trying to to put together the offense that Wes Kanan was running under Bud Kilmer and then also the offense that Mox and Lance Harbor put in in the last game. So... Maybe he looked it up. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I, I, it's, I choose it's, to believe that now. If that was, it was such a specific reference over and over and over again that now I'm thinking that's exactly what it was because it was a game that didn't, wasn't played. But I, so I, I like that. I like the just harping on this like low point of his career. I love that it happened in the Sugar Bowl. Um, I, I love, like, I, I fundamentally like the idea of the movie that you have all these people crossing the picket line and there's scabs and they're playing these games and they're people are throwing eggs at them. You texted me during your rewatch about the cheerleaders were apparently also on strike. Loved that. that that's what I'm trying to, is this solidarity? Does, does, does like cheerleaders local 735? do they have a, a an agreement with the, the football players? I, hope so. union that- I just, I love, I love <laughs> that idea that they had to replace them with, you know, women who dance. Strippers. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, you were in Cats. That's wonderful. No, Pussycats, <laughs> the club by the airport. No, it's it's tremendous. That. And now it, it's it's funny because when I was in high school, the local arena football team, the Orlando Predators, essentially did this on purpose and advertised it. Like their their cheerleaders were essentially strippers. And. Did that? Did it stick? Is I, that is that in their current business model? A, the league's not in operation anymore, Nicole. But sixteen-year-old Andy might have gone to some games. Okay. So I think it worked. All right. Well, uh, you know, I, they they seem distracting in this movie at times. 
So some interesting actors here. Uh, you've got John Favreau, who is now you know m- massively huge, directs Marvel movies, and at the time he was you know he'd been in Rudy. He was he was D Bob and Rudy. He had been in Swingers, and so Annabelle, Brooke Langton, who plays Annabelle, is in perhaps my favorite scene of Swingers, the most awkward, painful scene in the history of movies. She is Nikki, the guy, the the the, the young lady that John Favreau meets, gets her number, and then calls her answering machine seventy four times. So persistent. She was, yeah. And I, I wonder if John Favreau helped, uh, if she helped get John Favreau cast, or he helped get her cast since they'd worked together on Swingers. I mean, it's probably uh, here. Here's here's a question. So so obviously Gene Hackman was great in this. I yes. was rewatching this soon after I was rewatching Hoosiers because we were doing a sports movie blitz a couple like a month ago. I think he's a better coach in this one. I think by, you're right. Like a good I don't think Norman Dale was a I don't think Norman Dale was a great coach at all. I mean, Shooter designed the picket fence. Yeah. And I he got what he needed to get out of Shane Falco with the game on the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. Winners want the ball. It it, it can't uh, it, It's interesting how they got all this stuff to come back even though they ha- only had four games. Cuz this did not run the normal arc of a sports movie. The normal arc of a sports movie where where it's a team of lovable misfits is they get their asses handed to them for at least half a season before they ever start to improve because this team only had four games. They actually start to improve in the second half of their first game and almost win their first game together, even though they could not even call a play in the huddle to start out because the sumo wrestler right tackle tried to to stand in the right guard spot. Here is another question, just fundamentally, that this movie raises. Um, should sumo wrestlers play football? I don't know. They, they have so much ceremony. I just don't think in the age of up-tempo that they'd yeah, be able but, to Yeah, but I mean, you got to recruit because- correctly to your system, right? So you're not an up-tempo, no-huddle kind of guy. You know, like I'm saying, like, should college football, like, should there be a team that decides to try recruiting a couple sumo wrestlers? What about like mini sumo wrestlers, baby sumo wrestlers? The fundamentals of sumo wrestling are absolutely analogous to offensive line play. Immovable. The the keep a wide base. Well, it's keep a, you know, keep a wide base. Don't get knocked back. That's uh, perfect for pass protection. Uh, a, a lot of their stuff that they've worked on for years would translate very well. So I'm I'm with you. This movie was way ahead of his time. Now, did you know, Nicole, though, that, that you, you, they had the two yes. brothers who were the guards, and they were bodyguards, celebrity bodyguards, and, and decided to uh, go back and play football. So one was played by Faison Love. Did you know that Faison Love has a very prominent role in a very – famous college football scandal. I do not offhand. He he is in the Reggie Bush scandal. Ooh, timely. A photo of Reggie Bush and Faison Love was considered a key piece of evidence in the NCAA case against USC, which I don't know that that's necessarily like if you if you follow that case, they kind of cook the evidence like they they misread quote unquote misread a phone bill by, for by a year <laughs> but yeah they 
there was a photo of Faison Love with Todd McNair, who yeah. was the, the running yeah. backs coach at USC. And, and they're in a nightclub, and they're posing with Lloyd Lake and Michael Michaels, who were the wannabe agents who paid Reggie Bush's family. So uh, this is a very relevant to college football movie because it stars, you know, yeah. Faison Love, who most people know him as Big Worm in Friday, but if you follow college football, he played a major role. Well, well how about this, too? Here's why it's a college football movie. If I were an Ohio State fan... I would be wearing a Shane Falco jersey. That would be my custom jersey. Well, Shane Falco or Johnny Utah, though, because that's the thing. Keanu has played former Ohio State quarterbacks in two movies. Johnny Utah in Point Break was also a former Buckeye. Yeah, but like just a Matt Falco, like that would be that'd be great. I I get stopped all the time. You know, like I just think I, I think it's 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 great. And it's a college movie because it's a college star who does this. Plus, they beat people up and they flip the car, the truck, and all you know, all, the, all those other stuff, which which I just loved. The, the the flipping of the of the truck is great, only because of the response to it. I because that's one of the scenes that just I laughed out loud the first time I saw it because they the regular Washington Sentinels, the ones who are striking, they flip Shane Falco's hideous Mazda pickup truck because he's a scab, and they do it again. And he's trying to handle it as, as best he can. And this is, you know, at the point where Shane Falco has already gotten the love of his teammates and now they have his back. And so one of his offensive linemen, you think, oh, he's going to walk over to, to the Porsche that belongs to the, the star quarterback yeah. and they're all going to flip it over. Oh, no, no. He pulls out a gun and starts shooting it. <laughs> it was great. It's great. These are things that wouldn't happen in a movie today. <laughs> no. No, I I don't think they would get the the guy who was in jail for beating up cops out, and then have and then have the uh, the the dining hall discussion between them. And by the way, those two become the best of friends. The the casting of the backstories of each of the characters of the scabs is so funny and so good. And like I, I fundamentally love the idea of someone betting on themselves, like their own team, in the game as a kicker. I love that. Well, Nigel Ufgood is one of the better sports movie characters. I still use the I'm wiry all the time, even though I've never been wiry once in my life. He is great. Like, that is just a great, great character. Is he smoking? (laughs) (laughs) Again, like, there's just a lot of things that happen on a football field that are like a beer league softball game. But in football, and theoretically, they're playing NFL teams that make it just a very relatable and hilarious movie. Well, and the other thing about it is it had one of the better introducing the guys sequences. I think the best of these is Major League. Major League has Mm. the best. Here are your lovable band of misfits and everybody when they are arriving at spring training. But this one's right up there. This one's just about as good because, you know, you've seen Falco, but then you're introduced to the Orlando Jones character. And Orlando Jones was huge in 7-Up commercials at this point in his career. So he was the 7-Up guy. So the big, big score to get him in this movie. Big that they got Hackman and Keanu, but, you know, Orlando Jones was the guy. You're introduced to him working at a mini mart, chasing down shoplifters, but he can't catch. 
I think all, honestly, like all of them are introduced in very, very funny ways. And then the reaction to like Shane arriving and like, also, also here's something, obviously, you know, you know, there's going to be like a romantic love interest for him, but he like stares at her and she stares at him for like a minute straight. And honestly, watching it on my couch, it made me uncomfortable. He's supposed to be in the huddle. Well, there's, there's two issues with this practice, this first practice. First of all, the smoke machine is on when Shane Falco comes out of the tunnel. Why is the smoke machine on at practice? I mean, that would, that, that would again, not want, you know, his, 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 his roster, he's trying to win over. To me, that's not a good strategy. That's just going to essentially isolate you more because you think you need a smoke entrance. Exactly. And so the other thing is the wind machine is on at this practice because every time they cut to Keanu, his hair is just flowing. And then every time they cut to Annabeth, her hair is just flowing in the breeze. And it's just, listen, it was a great hair movie. They both did have good hair. They did have wonderful hair. But my thing is they looked at each other. There was too much eye contact in that first practice, it, it made me uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Well, and, and listen, Annabelle is supposed to be auditioning new cheerleaders. That's where they have the, the, the one who's pretending to, to cut everybody with a knife and the one in jean shorts that really breaks it down. And then finally the strippers show up and she's like, Nope, that's, that, that's what we need. That's the, direction that's to go. the Washington yep. Sentinels brand. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which, you know, Annabelle seems like a pretty upstanding citizen. She's a, she's a small business owner. She works tons of hours. I mean, I'm surprised strippers is where she goes, but you know, maybe she's, that's, she's got a little, little flair. First of all, it's probably the easiest, like just plug and play, right? You're just, you know, you can get a group of them. They knew each other. And also, you know, I don't know. She's working at a bar. She works hard. She, she doesn't seem like she's that judgmental about the different types of clientele she has at her bar. I, I think I think it made sense in the context of what is the most absurd group of body of people that you could possibly bring in who could theoretically dance or at least move their body in rhythm. Um, I, I Personally, if, if the NFL were to go to sh- on strike again, I would like to see people consider strippers as replacement. As players or well, as cheerleaders? cheerleaders. I, again, I, I don't know why they would be on strike as well. But in a, in a world where they would be on strike. Solidarity, <laughs> Nicole. I would like to see it. I think I called the kicker Nigel Uffgood. Uffgood is the last name of Willow in the movie Willow. That's Warwick Davis's He's Nigel Gruff. He is also the guy from Notting Hill. He's the roommate. Yes, he steals Notting Hill. Absolutely. Yes. So while, while we're on the subject of, of people in other roles, this movie gave us a great Friday Night Lights preview. So Brooke Langton, who played Annabelle, was the single mom that both Riggins brothers hooked up with in Friday Night Lights. No, she is? Yes. Oh, my God. And then Brett Cullen, who plays 47-year-old quarterback Eddie Martell, played the Riggins brothers' dad. What? I love the Riggins crossover here. I need to rewatch these episodes now. He's my all-time. He is the hottest football playing character in any form of TV, movie, well, anything. N- now I got to wonder, is, is, like a, is there a 13-year-old Taylor Kitsch 
in the, in the background of one of these scenes. I, well, I mean, he might have been like 17 or 18 at this point. Is he a water boy? Like maybe he's running out. Like maybe that's where they first maybe. all met. Who knew? Hi, future dad. Hi, future girlfriend. <laughs> that is a great fun fact because that's the all time great football series. Oh, my gosh. And we may have to. The longer this goes, we may have to do individual seasons of yes. Friday Night Lights. Oh, uh, I that's... call any of them that's not season two, where they just jump the shark and murder somebody. <laughs> any season except that one. <laughs> you draw the line at parking lot murder? Come on. Yes. I, I like to pretend that season just did not exist. Flat I think Jesse Plemons, Jesse Plemons was just getting warmed up for his turn on Breaking Bad. It actually, that. That's all that I was. I will say that it, it did make more sense having, like, I like to pretend that characters have some crossover in between the different shows and movies they do. So yes, it did help to have that backstory. Like, it's kind of like how like Michael B. Jordan, like you felt like he was resurrected from the wire. Like I felt good about it being a star quarterback in Friday night lights because of that. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's part of it, but if we do it and we do it by season, I want to do any of them except that one, but I do want one. Well, I do realize we were in the middle of a replacements podcast, but we'll, we'll, we'll detour briefly. You know that Scott Porter and I played against each other in high school. No, I did in not. Football. Yes, Scott Porter went to Lake Howell High School. I went to Lake Mary. And Scott's team had some very good players. They had a, an offensive tackle named Tam Hopkins who wound up playing at Ohio State. Um, I don't think Kavika Mitchell was, was on varsity yet. He may have been by that point, uh, the, the year I'm talking about, because this was my junior year. I think Scott was a sophomore uh, but we played, or no, it was my senior year. So Scott was a junior. I was a senior. We played one of the weirdest games that I've ever seen at any level. And it was kind of back and forth, really close. And we were done for, they, they had scored to take the lead. We had gotten the ball back. They had stopped us. They really were just trying to run out the clock, but the, it wasn't a point where you could take knees yet. You kind of had to really, you had to at least try to get a first down and so they're up, I think, like three or four points. And there's about a minute left to play, but they don't have enough timeouts to just run out the clock. So they hand off, and the guy breaks free, and he gets the first down. So he is, and so the rest on the sidelines, we're all like, oh my God, we're done. It's over. And so our safety, Donnie Casey, who is uh, the. We'll bring it back to the replacements. He's the John Favreau character, where it's it's essentially Bobby Boucher, and he runs to the guy, and instead of tackling him, and 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 so I'm standing around the sideline thinking we as the offense are never getting back out on the field. He runs to the guy, and instead of trying to tackle him or knock him over the sideline, grabs the football. He just grabs the ball, takes it away from him. He's like, give. I I think he actually said, give me that. And then turns around and runs and scores a touchdown because none of the Lake Cow players knew what was going on. Scott Porter, one of the wide receivers on the field, didn't know what was going on either. And so he scores. And we're just like, wait, are we going to win this game? What just happened? And so I interviewed Scott Porter when he was doing the show. And I said, so think back to your high school career. Was there any game that was as wild a finish as the ones on your show. And he goes, oh, yeah, the Lake Mary game, my junior yes! year. <laughs> yes. Also, I'm just so glad that he was able to walk and play in that game. Andy. He was he was very mobile. So 
we didn't know each other. It's, I didn't, I didn't know he was on that team until he was in the it's show. Oh, that's so funny. That's I was so like, oh, wait, funny. he's 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 from Orlando. Where'd he go to high school? Lake Howell. He played football. <laughs> and so we started talking and we had a, we knew a lot of the same people. It was it was very interesting. And but yeah, he they remember that game because it was the weirdest way to finish a game. So now getting back to the replacements, if Pat Summerall and John Madden, who were calling the games and the replacements, had been calling that exceptionally weird game, Pat Summerall would have probably been like, and it looks like he's got the first down. Going to make the tackle. Nope. Took the ball. And touchdown. So, Nicole, I, I got to ask you, because you're younger than me. You were, prob- I, you were probably a kid still when Pat Summerall and John Madden were calling yes. games. Yes. Did you pay attention to them as announcers at that point? Because they were like the God, God level announcers. Yes. Um, for sure. Madden. And I think what was interesting to me about this, when I first started watching, cause I didn't watch it when it came out, but later on was how did they get them to do this? And was it right. like a multi-day shoot? Because they were in a lot of scenes. They were, they were the Greek chorus of the movie. And I, I'm convinced that, and I think I got this from the when when John Madden re- realizes that Nigel is smoking on the field. I'm convinced <laughs> they let them ad lib everything. Oh, I, I would like, buy that. I believe that. I bet that would be more fun for everyone involved to do it that absolutely. way. Absolutely, because because I'm pretty sure that you get a fat guy spike and then you get a fat guy dance. I'm pretty sure that came directly from the mind of John Madden. That wasn't some some Hollywood screenwriter is like this is what John Madden would say. <laughs> I love to see a fat guy score. Why? Well, because look, you get a fat guy spike, and then you get a fat guy dance. Well, if they did that, which I hope they did, that was the absolute correct call, and that's why you get them to do this game, this movie, and these games. They must have spent so much money. Think, think about. So they got Gene Hackman. Keanu's yeah. coming off the Matrix now. Maybe he signed up for this movie before the Matrix, so maybe, maybe he's still Bill and Ted guy, but. He's probably a pretty yep. big star at this point. Um, you know, you've got a bunch of that guy, you know, the, the, like the the players union representative is Keith David, like one of the all time that guys. So yeah. they paid some money. The songs they use. I will survive three times. They, they, they have now they use the wallflowers cover of heroes, but you still have to clear heroes to use it in the movie. That's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, listen, it needed I Will Survive. I feel like that really like came full circle at the end. I, it was funny. So a couple weeks ago, we were doing our sports movie blitz. Scott Dockerman and I did like, where are they now? Fictional characters. And we did Shane Falco. And I had him retiring from football after this movie because he felt fulfilled and, and you know, right. all of these things, you know, every he'd exercise all his demons. And then eventually had him like do a I Will Survive SNL skit. <laughs> Now, is he is he still scraping barnacles professionally though? That's that's the real no, question. No, so I had him uh, upgrading his boat that he lives in, and then the Sugar Bowl making him their executive director. Wow, replacing full, Paul Houlihan. Full full circle there. So now he makes eight hundred grand a year. His boat is and docked lives, on the Mississippi River. Boat. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. <laughs> that's perfect. I love it. Yeah, I I think you know that's. 
what this movie kind of needed at the very end was an Animal House style, you know, here are the cards of what these guys are up to now. You know, yeah, yeah. Bateman, well, go, Bateman goes back to the SWAT team. Uh, Ray Smith goes back to jail. Is a sumo wrestler, did he open his own hard boiled egg stand? Again, this is Scott and I got to just make up our own postscripts for all of these people. Um, but yeah, like I, I found Shane Falco one of the most interesting sports main characters in a movie, to be honest. I really do. Oh, he's he's fantastic. And listen, Keanu gets killed for his acting quite frequently, but I think I think we've learned over the years that that he is a pretty good actor. And I thought you know, the, the way he played Falco was, I've been this big star, but I am wounded. My confidence is gone. I have been humbled. He handled it really, like, it is perfectly believable. And then you put him in contrast with the, with Martell, the, the hot shot, two Super Bowl rings, all pro quarterback. And it works. It just works. And, and, and yeah. Gene Hackman was just good at everything. He was good in every role he was ever in. Yeah. And, and especially, but especially in that particular coach and the way, like, you know, he had to be convinced to do it. And then he had to manage all of these weird personalities. He did that great. Um, and I am with you on Keanu, you believe that he was so embarrassed that he wouldn't go see Annabelle, right? Like you believe that he just had no confidence and was totally wiped. Um, I, I, I just, I loved it. I, I had forgotten how much I loved it until a few weeks ago when I rewatched it. But I think it really holds up and and is going to get into the rotation more often when I do, you know, rewatch things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if there's another strike, I hope the cheerleaders also strike in solidarity. Yes. And I, I, I hope that the entire cast of Tattletales shows up on an NFL sideline near you. I have never wanted anything more. Nicole, you are full of great ideas. This has been an absolute pleasure Thank you for bringing this movie back into my life because yeah, very welcome. How, I mean, who among us hasn't been in a holding cell and then started to recite the lyrics to I will survive and then wound up in a, in a giant musical number group dance scene. And who among us has never needed a second chance. That's right. We're all just scraping barnacles off the boat of life. And then Jimmy McGinty comes along. That we are, especially in quarantine. That's what it actually feels like each day. <laughs> Nicole, thank you so much. I know you've got to get back to your, your wine curling workouts. Oh, by the way, I did put an 80-pound bag of soil into a duffel bag and did a one of one of the workouts that the strength coaches sent us the other day. Yeah, it it's good. I thought you were going to say you injured yourself. Oh, no. These guys are going to stay in shape. If they actually pay okay. attention and follow the instructions, they're going to stay in shape. Very nice. I, I somehow managed to get a 50-pound kettlebell. It was like the last one Ooh. on a website. So I feel like I cheated somehow, but that's been awesome too. So you're going to be doing some kettlebell swings, some wine, wine bottle curls. I'm going to be doing the, the soil squats. It's an interesting name, a pairing of I don't like soil and squats. Uh, maybe it's heavy. It works. Okay. Okay. And then maybe if the NFL players go on strike, I can be a replacement player. 
There we go. Got to stay in shape for that reason. Maybe I can draft the cheerleaders. I can be in charge of the tryouts. That will be a, a tremendous day. And I'm sure <laughs> many of our athletic coworkers will join you and say, let me help you with that, Nicole. I can assist. <laughs> All right. They'll, they'll run the smoke machine. That's exactly right. So Nicole will be drafting all the stripper cheerleaders. I will be uh, one of the replacement offensive linemen puking as the sumo wrestler eats too many hard-boiled eggs before the game. Man, what a movie. What a movie. Nicole, thanks so much. All right. Anytime. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we're back. I think Monday we're going to have a, a pretty meaty show. We're going to be talking about some of the stuff going on in college football. You've got your name, image, and likeness. you got your transfer rules, maybe not getting changed as quickly as we thought. And then you're getting some drips and drabs of people saying maybe campuses might open at this point. Or maybe football players may be back on campus at some point. You may know a little more by the weekend. So tune in on Monday and we'll break it all down for you.